morning and welcome to another day's edition of Transformation Radio. today. I pray that you're all doing well. Um, It's always an honor to get a chance to share with you on Transformation Radio and uh, offer you just a quick little five-minute thought for the day. Um, 
I came across uh, a little book several years ago um, by a good writer named Max Licato. I I really find Max to be an amazing author because he paints um, amazing truths in in beautiful picture words, and um, he does such a wonderful job narrating um, things. At least for me, that helped me really understand uh, sometimes what can seem like complicated things, like grace or like uh, redemption, or and he really kind of brings them down to a level that uh, someone is as simple as I am can can understand. And he had a little book. Uh, this is several years ago, called "Shaped by Grace," and it says that you are God's masterpiece in the making. And, and I love that little subtitle because we are God's masterpiece in the making. But uh, this little book's only about 50 pages long. And the, the last chapter of the book uh, shares this story that probably some of you don't remember because you weren't old enough. But um, I want to share it with you. It said, trapped beneath 2,000 feet of solid rock, 33 Chilean miners were desperate. Uh, the collapse of a main tunnel had sealed their exit and thrust them into survival mode. Um uh, they ate two spoonfuls of tuna and a sip of milk, a morsel of peaches every other day. And for two months, they prayed for someone to save them. On the surface above, the Chilean rescue team worked around the clock, uh, consulting NASA, meeting with experts and others. Then they designed a 13-foot tall capsule and drilled, first a communication hole, then an evacuation tunnel. There was no guarantee of success for no one had been trapped underground for this long to tell about it. Well, now someone has, because on October 13, 2010, the men began to emerge, and they were slapping high fives and leading victory chants. There was a great-grandfather, a, a 44-year-old who was planning a wedding, and then a 19-year-old, and they all had different stories. They remind me of you guys, uh, all with different stories. But they all had made the same decision while they were trapped. They all had decided to trust someone else to save them. No one returned the rescue offer with a declaration of independence. I can get out of here on my own. Just give me a new drill. No, they had stared at the stone tomb long enough to reach the unanimous opinion, we need help and we need someone to penetrate this world and pull us out. I want you to think about that for a second. We walk into the refuge figuring that we could have done this all on our own. We were trapped. Uh, the bondage of addiction can feel like a tomb. It uh, surrounds us. It overwhelms us. It's dark. It feels like there's no escape. And for the many times that uh, we might have tried to do this on our own, I'm going to quit. I'm going to white-knuckle it. I'm not going to go down to that particular place anymore and buy it. I'm going to promise my mom for the 75th time that I'm not going to do it. We came finally to a place that we realized that we needed some help. We needed someone to uh, walk alongside with us to come up with a better plan uh, to give us a way of escape. And since you're here at the refuge, what we want to do is we want you to always remember that we are here because we wanted to offer you that place of divine escape. And that escape is grace. And uh, we want you to always know that when you were trapped and seemingly with no way out, that God has made getting out and staying out as easy as ABC.
And so Max goes on to, to admit it this way. He says this way. He says, first of all, the A is admit you're wrong. And if you've come to us, you've admitted, man, I am tired and I can't do this anymore. The second one is B, it's to believe. You know, believe that Jesus is who he says he is. He's the Savior of the world. And believe what the Bible says he did, that he died for our sins, and he has offered us grace as a result. And he vacated the grave in order to share that with each one of us. And the last C is commit. Commit your life to the cause. You now have been given a new opportunity for hope. Uh, Refuge, hopefully, has offered uh, a way for you to see life a little bit differently, to see uh, brotherhood a little bit differently, to see the possibilities for what's next a little bit differently. And so the truth of the matter is there's no fine print to this deal. Uh, We're thankful that you're here because you've admitted. Now take all the things that you're being surrounded by and being shared, you know, and things that are being shared with you and believe them. The Word of God is whole truth, and the truth will set you free. But then I want you today to think about as I head out to work or I head out to my day here in in phase one or wherever I'm going in phase two or whatever the case might be, that I'm going to stay committed to this new life, this new grace, this new opportunity. I've been freed to walk into something brand new today. And commit your way to continue to realize that, no, you can't fix it on your own. Believe that you've encountered a Jesus who wants to give you grace that's going to help you take it to the next step together today and commit to that as you walk out your day-to-day. Simple stuff. ABCs, guys. ABCs. But I pray that you had uh, that this has been helpful, and I pray that you have a great day today, guys. I love all of you. Take care. God bless. Standing on the corner Thinking about my day Lost in confusion Cause things just ain't the way I thought my life would be I need a change of scenery When an old man Walked up next to me He said, son, what's wrong with you? Thought for a minute of what I could say Decided to tell him the truth I've broken promises and shattered dreams Of how life seems so unfair That old man just laughed it's unkeeping mind Life seems more than you can bear Life can't be tough as nails Like the ones that pierce the hands and feet Jesus says he died On the cross at Calvary You may think that life has passed you by And you feel like your will has run dry Just take it to the one who gave his only son 
And now we focus our attention on the narrative of the New Testament. Our reading today comes from the book of 1 Corinthians, chapter 1. As we begin reading in this book for the first time, we'll read verses 1 through 17. Paul wrote some strong words to the Corinthians in this letter, but he began on a positive note. He affirmed their privilege of being in God's family, the power God gave them to speak out for Him and understand His truth, and the presence of their spiritual gifts. When we must correct others, it helps to begin by affirming what God has already accomplished in them. Paul guaranteed the Corinthian believers that God would count them free from sin that is blameless when Christ returns. This guarantee was not because of their great gifts or performance, but because of what Jesus Christ accomplished through His death and resurrection. You see, all who obey God's Word will be considered free from sin when Jesus Christ returns. If you have faith in Christ, even if it's weak, you are and will be saved. We'll read about Paul founding the church in Corinth on his second missionary journey. After he left, about 18 months later, the people began arguing, and some divisions arose, and some slipped back into uh, the immoral lifestyles prevalent in the city. Paul wrote this letter to recommend that immediate corrective action be taken to clear up their confusion about right and wrong and to remove the immorality among them. Corinthians had a reputation for jumping from fad to fad. 
Paul wanted to keep Christianity from degenerating into just another fad. Now by saying, brethren, as we shall read, Paul was speaking to all believers, male and female. All Christians are part of God's family and share a unity that runs even deeper than that of blood brothers and sisters. The Corinthians arguing had divided Christ, a graphic picture of what happens when the church, the body of Christ, is divided. With the many churches and styles of worship available today, we could get caught up in the same game of, you know, my preacher is better than yours and all that. Our allegiance must be to Christ and to the unity that he greatly desires. We'll read about some speakers are big on high-sounding words, or words that, you know, sound really good and smooth, but small on content. We hear a lot of that these days. Paul wanted to be big on content and practical help for his listeners. He wanted them to be impressed with his message, not just his style. The persuasive power is in the story, not the storyteller. Paul was not speaking against those who carefully prepare what they say, no, but against those who try to impress others only with their knowledge or speaking ability. All right, with that, let's begin today's reading now, here in the New Testament. August 4th, the New Testament, 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 1 through 17. This letter is from Paul, chosen by the will of God to be an apostle of Christ Jesus, and from our brother Sosthenes. I am writing to God's church in Corinth, to you who have been called by God to be His own holy people. He made you holy by means of Christ Jesus, just as He did for all people everywhere who call in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, their Lord and ours. May God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ give you grace and peace. I always thank my God for you and for the gracious gifts He has given you, now that you belong to Christ Jesus. Through Him, God has enriched your church in every way, with all your eloquent words and all of your knowledge. This confirms that what I told you about Christ is true. Now you have every spiritual gift you need as you eagerly wait for the return of our Lord Jesus Christ. He will keep you strong to the end, so that you will be free from all blame on the day when our Lord Jesus Christ returns. God will do this, for He is faithful to do what He says and He has invited you into partnership with His Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. I appeal to you, dear brothers and sisters, by the authority of our Lord Jesus Christ, to live in harmony with each other. Let there be no divisions in the church. Rather, be of one mind, united in thought and purpose. For some members of Chloe's household have told me about your quarrels, my dear brothers and sisters. Some of you are saying, I am a follower of Paul. Others are saying, I follow Apollos, or I follow Peter, or I follow only Christ. Has Christ been divided into factions? Was I, Paul, crucified for you? Were any of you baptized in the name of Paul? Of course not. I thank God that I did not baptize any of you except Crispus and Gaius. For now, no one can say they were baptized in my name. Oh, yes, I also baptized the household of Stephanus, but I don't remember baptizing anyone else. For Christ didn't send me to baptize, but to preach the good news, and not with clever speech, for fear that the cross of Christ would lose its power.
Yeah. Hey. 
Now we'll look into the book of Psalms. Today our reading comes from Psalm 27, verses 1 through 6. We'll see that fear is a dark shadow that envelops us and ultimately imprisons us within ourselves. Each of us has been a prisoner of fear at one time or another. Fear of rejection, misunderstanding, uncertainty, sickness, even death. But we can conquer fear by using the bright, liberating light of the Lord who brings salvation. If we want to dispel the darkness of fear, let's remember with the psalmist that the Lord is my light and my salvation. We'll see that we often run to God when we experience difficulties, but David sought God's guiding presence every day. When troubles came his way, he was already in God's presence and prepared to handle any test. Believers can call to God for help at any time, but how short-sighted to call on God only when troubles come. Many of our problems could be avoided or handled far more easily by seeking God's help and direction beforehand. Psalm chapter 27, verses 1 through 6, a psalm of David. The Lord is my light and my salvation, so why should I be afraid? The Lord is my fortress, protecting me from danger, so why should I tremble? When evil people come to devour me, when my enemies and foes attack me, they will stumble and fall. Though a mighty army surrounds me, my heart will not be afraid. Even if I am attacked, I will remain confident. The one thing I ask of the Lord, the thing I seek most, is to live in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, delighting in the Lord's perfections and meditating in His temple. For he will conceal me there when troubles come. He will hide me in his sanctuary. He will place me out of reach on a high rock. Then I will hold my head high above my enemies who surround me. At his sanctuary, I will offer sacrifices with shouts of joy, singing and praising the Lord with music. Proverbs 20, verses 20 and 21. If you insult your father or mother your light will be snuffed out in total darkness. An inheritance obtained too early in life is not a blessing in the end.
Thank you for listening to another day's edition of Transformation Radio.